welcome to the podcast. It's the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm the editor, Matt Hudson. We have a great set of shows coming at you. Uh, this week we'll have the first of a two-parter. The second part we will listen to next week. We have on the show Joanna Johnson, who is the policy advisor for the Automotive Oil Chains Association, the AOCA. Her name is likely uh, well known to readers of Nolan because she has always been very helpful to the magazine, very knowledgeable about issues that are affecting shop owners. And in this episode, we will be discussing a new report from the Federal Trade Commission that was sent to Congress called Nixing the Fix. And it is related to work that the AOC and other groups have been doing for years to try and get enforcement of Magnuson Moss Warranty Act provisions and identify and curtail some tactics that OEMs and their dealer service centers might do to direct maintenance services toward their shops and not toward independent aftermarket shops. In this episode, Joanna will identify many of those tactics that OEMs use and talk about the background work that the organization has been doing for years uh, and lending information that this report is based on. These topics are so relevant to every shop owner out there, so I hope you take a listen and enjoy. We are happy to have uh, on the show with us today, Joanna Johnson, who is the policy advisor for the Automotive Oil Chains Association, the AOCA, uh, a name you are probably familiar with if you're a listener or a reader of the magazine. And we are discussing a document that came out recently from the Federal Trade Commission called Nixing the Fix, an FTC report to Congress on repair restrictions. And uh, I guess first, welcome to the podcast episode, Joanna. Thank you, Matt. Glad to be here. Um, And I mentioned that report. It follows a a hearing at FTC that occurred, uh, it was a couple of years ago, uh, by the same name. And um, it's kind of the culmination of a lot of those hearings and and input from associations like the AOCA. And uh, I was curious if you could just kind of summarize the background work that led up to this report. Certainly. It actually begins uh, as far back as 2002. Um, Yeah, this, we started filing Magnuson Moss Warranty Act complaints over prohibited tie-in sales of brand products um, back in 2002 with Volkswagen. And then over the years, we filed complaints against Honda. And uh, after that complaint, the Federal Trade Commission did issue a bulletin, um, a consumer education bulletin on prohibited ties, you know, brand products or services. And, you know, to let everybody know that they didn't have to go along with that. They um, published that on their website. So, you know, the only downside there is that it's not enforcement and it's uh, it only applies if a consumer happens to go look at the federal trade commission website. Mm -hmm. So we were happy for that, but it didn't obviously solve the problem. And then we ended up um, filing a complaint against General Motors for similar things, Nissan, Mazda, Hyundai, Kia. Um, and the Hyundai, Kia situation is probably the best known by everyone because it's still going on today. So there were the Hyundai, Kia complaints um, that had to do with um, requiring a brand oil filter. And a very okay. special brand oil filter that was actually turned out to be construction strength, you know, something for construction equipment, 600 some PSI burst pressure. Um, and then 
while that one was cooking, we filed a complaint against BMW, Mini Cooper, um, for requiring in their owner's manuals that consumers only go to mini dealers for their maintenance. And that one became an enforcement action uh, with FTC. And they did a consent decree. And we were very happy about that one. And um, since you read the Nixing the Fix report, you'll see that they cite that as their major enforcement action really in the 21st century is that one, that BMW complaint that was originally filed by us. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's been a ton of lead up. And even before that one, because that was 2015, uh, the FTC revised their uh, interpretations of Magnuson Moss Warranty Act. That was in 2011. And we made a big effort for that um, to point out to them that they needed to get into the 21st century. And there, there are many implied and manipulative ways to achieve a prohibited tie-in sale. And they listened to us and they did update their interpretations, which was fantastic. And yet here we are, you know, we still have these problems going on today. And so when, when we came up to this hearing, so that would have been July of 2019, when they put together this hearing, which was for everybody, you know, not just not just uh, the automotive side, but all manufacturers. There are big issues across the board, especially with computers and phones mm -hmm. and appliances and things like that. So when they put out the notice that that was going to happen, um, I went back over all of our work on the subject and I realized that not only do we have um, automakers continuing to violate the tying, anti-tying provision, but some of them are using their requirements for branded products to cover up defects, mm. which, is, which is Hyundai Kia to a T. And I noticed, I did some more research on that. And then I noticed there were quite a few things in the consumer complaints that are submitted to NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, as opposed to FTC. Those complaints that go over there to, to Department of Transportation um, they supported our theory completely that, that mm -hmm. that's what was really going on. So there was an irony, there was a disconnect between those two agencies and where the information is really coming from. Anyway, we uh, did a, an enormous study. We harvested um, all the data, basically, that publicly available data off NHTSA's website and searched it for certain keywords and um, we came up with our theory, all based on consumer complaints of the things to look for when um, that will show that you've got probably got a defect with your car. And one of the big factors in proving that is if the automaker engages in a prohibited tie and sale of brand product or services. Mm. It's incredible you talk about all of that background that works and how the, uh, I guess, slow churn of, of government kind of tries to catch up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to kind of clarify, it's, it's the mechanism under the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act, you know, automakers and their dealers have an incentive to kind of keep that automotive maintenance within their umbrella. And uh if I, if I could clarify like the incentive or not the incentive, but the uh, mechanism that they use is that if you go to an aftermarket quick loop shop and you get, you know, a, a, 
an unbranded oil filter from that shop, uh, that's going to void the warranty. That's kind of the warning they use, right? It's um, sometimes it's a warning. Um, sometimes they'll have they will actually put in print, you know, in their owner's manual some warranty documents or something related like that. That's for instance, that's what happened with BMW Mini Cooper. They actually put mm -hmm. it in print. But what happens just as much now, and this will tie in later if you have questions about vehicle data and telematics, but what happens more now is the, that the consumer won't find out about it until they actually go to the dealer. Like something's up, the car, like knock, okay? Knocking, installing, these are the, these are the biggies right now with across the board, it's not just Hyundai Kia. Right. So you've got uh, stalling and knocking and you, you want to go to the dealer for that because that's a, those are considered quote unquote substantial impairments. I mean, that's serious. That's even the kind of stuff that NHTSA takes seriously. So they go to the dealer and then they find out, then the dealer says, oh, no, 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 no. You, you know, you put on an aftermarket filter and that's what's causing the problem. So they may not even know about this until they show up. Sure. Uh, and that is a uh, shady behavior. And uh, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead in some of the discussions we had earlier, but that's kind of goes to one of the big findings of this nixing the fix report was that uh, it said there plainly that, uh, you know, aftermarket repair and maintenance has not shown to be any more, uh, you know, cause any more harm than any, you know, OEM or dealer uh, maintenance and parts, correct? Indeed. And that's huge. That, that right there is so important from this report. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and this is, we're talking um, this importance, this is history of the industry important because, because basically, um, you know, throwing shade at the offshoot fast loop industry, because you know, it's an offshoot. You just have to think about for a second about how, you know, the automotive industry started and that, you know, for a long time, it was basically dealerships mm -hmm. and then some independent repair, full repair facilities showed up. And then in the like mid seventies, mid to late seventies, somebody got the bright idea, you know, preventative maintenance does not have to be this big of a pain in the neck. Yeah. Um, and everybody has to do it. So we'll, we'll create this thing called, you know, a fast loop. And the minute that the minute that was created, if you go back and you search newspapers, because uh, it's harder to get old TV, but um, if you go back and you search newspapers, you will see all manner of unsubstantiated shade mm -hmm. <laughs> getting thrown, um, calling uh, fast lubes uh, clown lube, you know, and all manner of just saying, you know, they don't know what they're doing. You know, instead of just saying, hey, remember, everybody, we're the experts. I mean, that would have been the, the lawful, you know, the up and up way to do it is we're the experts, as in, you know, we've always been there for you automotive dealers. We made the car. We're the experts. Just come to us, you know, always come to us or here, we'll give you a deal. Come to us. You know, that would have been like normal, you know, mm -hmm. normal competition. But no, they've been trashing the fast loop industry for the longest time. So it is phenomenal for us to have the Federal Trade Commission on the record saying, you know what, <laughs> there is zero evidence supporting any of that. Yeah, and in fact, uh, 
not only did they say that in the report, but uh, you know, they made it clear that they went to the OEMs or the associations representing OEMs and said, you know, provide some evidence if you have any that there is a, you know, greater harm done by the independent aftermarket and uh, they provided none. That's right. Um, so that was kind of the banner headline uh, portion of the report, but let's dig into, uh, into the report itself a little bit. You know, one of the most interesting uh, sections I thought that I read through was just about all the different ways that uh, OEMs and dealers can mislead or, or divert service toward their facilities. Um, speaking, I guess, on the non-technological front where we're talking about, you know, uh, specific parts that need to be used and things like that that you discussed. Um, what are some of those uh, tactics that are used that, you know, as you mentioned, have been known for, for years now? Okay, so are you you thinking um, like pre-telematics, classics, yeah, you want yeah. me to distinguish? On the, um, kind of the things you've been working on for years that aren't quite on the, the data front quite yet. Okay, we'll, we'll do this. This will be the greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> greatest hits. Okay. So the, the greatest hits and they still come around. It's just not as much because of the, because of the telematics, but um, this would be uh, consumer advertisements that disparage aftermarket parts and services um, really, really dancing around the language um, like stretching the word may <laughs> till it disintegrates. You know, I mean, this may destroy your warranty. This may, you know, wreck your car. Um, right. And so um, also owner's manuals. Uh, that's a classic place that you'll see a, a prohibited tie. Um, we're still mid, I mean, we're still mid debate with Federal Trade Commission about some of that language that's still being used today. You know, does it have to say, um, for, again, I'm referring back to BMW because we did get an enforcement action there. Does it have to say only use the dealer, you know, or is it enough to say you should go to the dealer? You know, your dealer has the authorized products you need um, even just a, the quote, visit your dealer, just say, visit your dealer as a command. Um, so that's all owner's manuals. Uh, we'll also get into it with brand products a lot. Um, if you see what's required, um, there have been different instances and some of them have been remedied. So I can give you an example of a brand product tie what, that we certainly alleged was a brand product tie uh, that was ultimately solved by the automaker. So thank you very much, General Motors. Um, they originally had, uh, when they rolled out Dexos engine oil, mm -hmm. they had some language that said, you know, you must use Dexos and, um, and that's it. And even though they were building a licensing program, you know, it wasn't fully developed and it wasn't even, and the product wasn't available. So that was a tie and we did complain and then they updated their owner's manuals and other, you know, in, informational materials to say um, require, you know, Dexos or if it's not available, then the uh, applicable API 
you know, <laughs> API LSAC designation, which, you know, at the time, I think at the beginning, it would have been 5W30. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been 5W20 after that. But you see, they did make a, they did um, make an accommodation, you know? So, I mean, that can ha- you know, so that can be done, but that's pretty classic for an owner's manual. Um, then we also have uh, technical service bulletins, which people in the industry know are now often referred to as manufacturers, communications, MCs, mm-hmm. just in general. Um, but hopefully that you'll have some consumers listening to this too. So I won't be boring them by telling them that, that it's, you could see this in terms of something called a TSB or an MC, um, that the, the owner's manual might be completely silent about a brand product tie, but it'll come up in the TSB or the MC. And so that's how you get into a conflict when you go for service, like at the time of service, you find out when you arrive and they look at your car and they say, and this is Hyundai Kia, perfect example. Oh no, you have a non Hyundai Kia oil filter on there. So this is just automatically a problem. Hmm. This is why your car is knocking and shaking and doing all this stuff. That's, that's the problem. And their TSB, if you, if you wanted to, by the way, include a link with this one there with this discussion, their TS, their original TSB would be the ideal one to use because it actually lists all of the symptoms of their engine defects that were later proven, you know, that these are engine defects and they list them. And then they say, and it's all because of that filter, the aftermarket filter. And then they charge the people to the consumer to do the oil change over again, even if they just had one done, they got to do it over again and they got to pay for it. And it says on the TSB, this is not a warranty repair. Mm. You know, if there was an aftermarket filter, this is not a warranty repair. And even then when that happens, the consumer might not receive a copy of that service bulletin. So, you know, one of the things we try to encourage um, consumers to learn about is that if you are ever rejected for um, warranty coverage on a repair, gosh, even it can be even maintenance now that's supposed to be covered. Um, you make sure you get whatever document they're relying upon. And those are the, those are the basic ways. Those are the greatest hits of yeah. how they do it. 